The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elfrin Network. It's powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen to the show, and whenever you listen to the show, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for giving us your time to listen to what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in his everyday life. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred and on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. The views of AllAndyAlfred are those of Andy's and do not reflect the Anchor Network. 32 teams, 18 weeks of football, three rounds of playoff football comes down to two teams for one trophy, the Vince Lombardi Trophy, as the Kansas City Chiefs, led by quarterback Patrick Mahomes, takes on the NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles, led by quarterback Jalen Hurts, in Glendale, Arizona, as we have arrived at Super Bowl 57 in Scottsdale, Arizona. All Andy Alfred has the preview, the prediction, and how we got to this championship game in the National Football League. The NHL All-Star Game has come and passed. We'll get my take on the NHL All-Star Game. As the Jackets now wait for the Maple Leafs on Friday night at the Schwide before heading to Air Canada, formerly Air Canada Center, now Scotiabank Arena for Hockey Night in Canada. As they will play a back-to-back with the Leafs. The Walleye are back to playing walleye hockey. It's so good to see it. Got a chance to go to Cleveland to see the Monsters, the Future Jackets, but they were honoring one of my favorite teams, the Lumberjacks. We'll talk about that. One of the best golf tournaments this season in the PGA is happening where the Super Bowl is taking place in Scottsdale, Arizona. The Waste Management Open is underway. And Cody and Rhea win the Rumble. But I have a feeling the titles are going to be split. And I'm talking Universal and WWE Championships. It's a loaded pack show. It's the first show of me being 33 years of age. Get the popcorn ready. All Andy Alford starts now on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alford. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. hit to a home run. Go home, Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. 
choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, ah, I love you guys, and welcome in to another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me, and that is with the Anchor Network, and you are listening to me today on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you listen to the show, wherever and whenever you listen, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time to listen to what's happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life as you can always be a part of our show by following us on twitter it is at all andy alfred it is at all andy alfred as well as facebook.com slash all andy alfred and welcome to super bowl week on this the ninth day of february 2023 a lot to get into for the program tonight We're going to take a look at what's happening right now in Scottsdale, Arizona, as the Waste Management Open is underway. It's a huge week in Arizona with this big uh, PGA Tour event taking place as we speak. We got it on here in the man cave. We're watching it as for doing the podcast this afternoon. Also, we'll dive into the Royal Rumble, the big win by Cody Rhodes and Rhea Ripley. We'll talk about that as well as my take on the uh, where the, I stand with the Sami Zayn situation. Also, we'll dive into the Walleye Roundup and the, as the Walleye are back into their ways of playing good hockey. The Jackets report is coming up as well, too. They'll be getting back on the ice here in a few days. Also, we will have an Andy Rants tonight that I honestly would... It's going to be a little bit political as well as a little bit of what my opinions on are on a few things. So, if you want it, you know... You know, the, you, at the end of the sports segment, you can take it off. You know, I don't talk politics that much, but I have something to say about what we witnessed on Tuesday night. So, welcome into the program tonight. Again, follow us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. As we have hit and come to the conclusion of the NFL season, as we have arrived to Super Bowl 57 in beautiful Glendale, Arizona, where I think it should be, it should have been the Bengals versus the Eagles, but the officiating again, again, terrible officiating caused the team to lose their way to win, to lose their way to not playing for Lombardi's trophy. And I'll get into that in just a second, but you know this is a big week for the super, for the NFL. A lot of uh, we we would usually go out to Arizona. We would go out to where the Super Bowl would be at. We would take the remote. We would go out there. We go out on Radio Row for a day. Do the podcast for the day. Take in the festivities. You know, I buy a shirt, relax, and you know, take it in. Take with media and take everything in. But this year, in the last few years, we've decided we did last year go. We did go last year, uh, but the year before, 2020, we couldn't go. We went in 2019 when it was, uh, in 2020, we didn't go. We we went, and it was uh, the Chiefs and the Niners, and that was when I was with Nick the Money Man DeVera, and we're trying to get Nick on the podcast in the next couple days 
so we could get his take on uh, the NFL season, as well as previewing the baseball season coming up, as well as getting some video game information, but we'll get him on the program. We're also trying to get Logan Carr on the program to give his take on the NFL season for him, as well as our good friend Phil Bennett, who wants to be chimed in about the sports as well, chime in on sports as well as hockey as well too. But, you know, Super Bowl 57 is here. We have arrived to the finale of the NFL season. And to be honest with you, like I said, officiating screwed over the AFC Championship game. We'll, we'll get to the AFC game here in a minute, but we'll get to the we'll start with the NFC first. And it was just a sad thing to see that Brock Purdy gets injured in this game, and basically costs the Niners costs the Niners the chance to go to the Super Bowl. Now we all knew that they were we were they were destined to go because it was pretty much the Eagles who can pass throw have a great offensive and defensive line. If you have all four elements, you are officially a Lombardi contender, and they are a Lombardi contender as they defeated the San Francisco 49ers by a score of 31-7 to in the game. Miles Sanders with the, the six-yard run, making it 7-0. It was 7-0, and then you have Purdy go down with the injury. It turned into a run game for the entire entirety of the game. McCaffrey making it 7-7 in the second quarter. But it was all Eagles after that. Sanders with a touch with the touchdown run, and then Boston Scott with a ten yard touchdown run, twenty one to seven at the break, and then Jalen Hurts with a one yard run in the third quarter, and then the exclamation point Jake Elliott's thirty one yard field goal to cap and send the Eagles to Glendale with a thirty one to seven win over the 49ers, as Hurts was fifteen for twenty five for one hundred and twenty one yards in the game. Uh, Johnson comes in to quarterback after Purdy gets injured, which is their fourth-string quarterback. He was 7 for 13 for 74 yards. Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries for 84 yards, 1 TD. Gainwell, 14 carries, 48 yards, 1 TD. Uh, Gainwell, 14 carries, 48 yards. Devontae Smith, 2 catches, 36 yards. Debo Samuel, 3 catches, 33 yards in the game as the Eagles prevail over the 49ers, 31 to seven over two weeks ago in the conference championship game. So the Eagles headed to the Super Bowl. Who would they face between the Bengals and the Chiefs? And this game, in my opinion, I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say it to confidence about it. I think the Chiefs got lucky with this game because officiating in the NFL wants wants Patrick Mahomes in the game. They want Patrick Mahomes in this game. They don't want to see a repeat performance of the four, of the of of the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And I think that's what it was. I think the league there there's been talks that the league is rigged, that it's fixed. It's because they want the two marquee teams to be in there, the 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 Chiefs and the Eagles. They didn't want a small market team in the Bengals to be into the into the mix again like they were last year. And let me tell you something. To those conspiracy theories and everything like that, I listen to them. I don't really believe them, but after what I saw in this conference championship game, it kind of felt like it was toward that the NFL was pushing it towards the Bengals not to make it to the Super Bowl. And I hate to say that. I really hate to say that. 
you know, officiate. This is this was probably the worst officiating NFL game that I have witnessed in all my years of watching the NFL football. All my years. This is embarrassing for the league. This is embarrassing for for both franchises. And this is this goes back to Goodell a one hundred and fifty percent. This game. This game should be should have been one of the uh, instant classic, but officiating yet again costs costs the the Chiefs costs the Bengals. Excuse me, the game, and the Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl. It did start off with Harrison Bunker kicking a forty-three yard field goal for the Chiefs, making it a three nothing game. They kicked another field goal, making it 6-3 before Evan McPherson for the Bengals having a, kicking a field goal, making it a 6-3 game. Kelsey getting the pass from Mahomes in the second quarter, making it 13-3. A 10-point deficit, but McPherson kicking the field goal with time to expire in the first half, making it 13-6 at the break. And then T. Higgins getting the pass from Joe Burrow. Making it a tie ball game, 13-13, and was a slugfest after that. Marquez Vandal scaling 19-yard pass from Mahomes, making it a 20-13 game before, before Purdy getting a two-yard run in, making it 20-20 at the break, and then and then the stupid penalties begin. Mahomes running it out of bounds, and the defender. Then pushing Mahomes as he was still having one foot in bounds. They call it they call it a late hit. 15 yards sets up the field goal. And Kansas City kicks the field goal. Bunker with the 45 yarder, making it a chip shot for him. And that was the end of the game. The Chiefs defeat the Bengals 23 to 20. It was embarrassing. This there was let me give you this. Let me give you this just really quickly. This team stats. I wanted to go over this team stat very, very quickly. The Bengals were a less were a lesser penalty team all season long. All season long. They averaged about four to five penalties a game. They had nine penalties for 71 yards in this game. Okay, the Chiefs, four penalties for 55 yards. Unbelievable. Right there. Burrow threw two interceptions in the game. I mean, he didn't have a great game. He was 26 for 41 for 270 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Joe Mixon, eight carries for 19 yards. Burrow, four carries for 30 yards. The, the big thing was the amount of pressure that Burrow was getting in this game and the defensive line for Kansas City is a de- good defensive line. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. They're a good defensive line. But for me, the fact is the officiating got was the overall overpowering of that, of this whole game. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. You see holds. Not being called. Illegal blocks in the back. Not being called. But when the penalty needs to be called, 
When the penalty needs to be called, they don't call it. When it's a stupid penalty, they call it. And it all goes back to what I, uh, what has been said, what is believed, and I kind of believe it now more than ever. That the NFL favors bigger market teams and bigger market stars than they do small market teams. And I, I, I hate to say that. To look at it this way. You have had the Rams who are a big market, win the Super Bowl over the Bengals. You had Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. And we'll get to Tom here in just a second. Tom Brady beat Kansas City in the Super Bowl. You've had the 49ers defeat the... the, You had Kansas City defeating the 49ers. Okay? Another big market, small market team. I just, I just don't understand the logic of this league. I, I just don't. I just don't understand it. Where small market teams like the Bengals and like the Texans and like the Tennessee and like New Orleans and 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 the Carolinas and the and. and and the Detroit's, I consider Detroit a small market. These teams never get the share shake when it comes to the National Football League. They don't. They don't. Think about it. The Browns also get shaken so many times. And they get penalty after penalty after penalty called when they're big time games. When it's against when it's against Tampa. When it's against when it's against Kansas City, when it's against Buffalo, when it gets against... And, and Buffalo is a different story. Buffalo is one of those small market teams that has just rejuvenated themselves out of the ashes to come out. You don't see this coming out of Jacksonville. You don't see this coming out of... You don't see this coming out... And Jacksonville is a different story on that same front, too. Jacksonville is a team that rise from the ashes... Jacksonville, Buffalo, uh, hell, I would even say now that, you know, the Dolphins, all those three teams are small market teams, and Cincinnati, four four small market teams, or mid-major teams, rose from the ashes this season, but were just pushed down, were absolutely cast away, because the National Football League wants you to watch Patrick Mahomes. They want you to watch Jalen Hurts. They want you to watch the Dallas Cowboys. They want you to watch LA. They want you to watch Tampa Bay. They want you to watch the collapse of of the Denver Broncos. They want you to watch the Baltimore Ravens. I think and, and they want you to watch Green Bay. Because these teams are what I call the marquee teams that always, A, have the contention to the Super Bowl because the league pushes them too much. I mean, it's just, it's honestly ridiculous to say the fact that I, I, I can't believe I say that the NFL is possibly rigged and there, it is possibly rigged because of it. And I, I just, I, I just don't, 
I just don't, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. But it is Kansas City versus Philadelphia here and Glendale, Arizona for the Super Bowl. And, you know, we've had two weeks to talk about it. We have the Pro Bowl that happened last weekend. But the big story out of the National Football League is official. It is official. Tom Brady has announced his retirement from the National Football League. He did it on social media, on Instagram, did it to him for on, on video. He did it for himself. And, you know, all I have to say is that if this is for real, Tom, thank you. And I think it is for real. It looks like that this is the end for Tom Brady. And, you know, for me, I, I we have seen the GOAT. We have honestly seen the GOAT, the best football player. I think of my generation, of everybody's generation, it is just one of the best. He is the best. And I think he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, and listening to shows all week so far from, from Arizona, you know, they've had a lot of players come on. J.J. Uh, Watt announced his retirement. Isn't it just amazing that, you know, I think J.J. goes into the first ballot. I think Tom goes in first ballot. But the and when J.J. goes in, he's going to get outshot by Tom. I really think so. But, uh, you know, it, it was just, it's just one of those things that, you know, Tom was... A, a true treat to watch. You either loved him or hate him. You know, and me, I was a middle ground. I hated the Patriots, but I liked Tom Brady. I hated that he went to Michigan, but he was one of the best quarterbacks out, that we have ever witnessed. I never, I, I was too young to watch Montana. I was young for Steve, Steve Young and Dan Marino. Uh, but for me, the goat of goats will be Tom Brady because of the Super Bowl championships. The amount of pressure that he put puts on on defenses, I just think it is just he is one of the classiest acts in football, and to me, Tom Brady will go down in history as the goat, the greatest of all time in the National Football League, and that's just being honest, completely and truthfully honest with you guys. And do I do I see? Do I see Brady, with Brady going into the Fox booth, I like that. But he's going to go take a year off, and that's understandable. Take a year off, relax. You know, get your life in order with the whole situation with, with, with Giselle, and the uh, divorce and everything like that. Spend time with your kids, and then come back in 2024. I like that. But, you know, we will miss him on the field. So now, I, I thought about this. The top quarterbacks that are playing in the game today. And you've got at least three of a, two of those right now. The two that are playing in this Super Bowl are in my top five. Uh, I have to because of it right now. Patrick Mahomes is number one. Mahomes is number one in my in my eyes. Number two in my, in my eyes, quarterback Rome, is Joe Burrow. Burrow has the seeing eye. He could put the ball... In the smallest spots possible on on the field, that's two. Three for me is Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen. You know, he's a good dual quarterback. He can run. Four is Lamar Jackson. 
Lamar is, you know, a, like I said, a dual threat. But, you know, we don't know where he's going to go in the next year. That's going to be interesting. And then for me, the fifth is Jalen Hurts. Hurts is a dual quarterback. Um, and everybody, the Lions fans want to know where I'm putting Jared Goff. Goff is at nine. He's there. He's just got, he's just, I think he's a year to two years a little bit away. And I like where we're standing in the draft pick order. So that's, that's something. But uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lamar, and Jalen Hurts, top five. Top five quarterbacks in the game right now for me. For me right now. So that leads us to Super Bowl 57. And it is time now to preview the matchup. Between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles right here on All Andy Alfred. Hi folks, this is Andy Alfred, the host of All Andy Alfred. And when it comes to sports gambling, there is one choice for yours truly. And that is the Barstool Sportsbook. Yes, the Barstool Sportsbook through Penn National Gaming. They have everything that you desire. Whether it be for the National Football League's playoff series as well as... NBA, college basketball, the National Hockey League, and so much more. Whether or not, whether you want to put down as minimum bets as much as a dollar, like yours truly does, or all the way up to five hundred to a thousand dollars, the Barstool Sportsbook is for you. Find the Barstool Sportsbook at your local apps. Also, it is available at the Hollywood Casino in either Columbus or in Toledo, Ohio. Gaming responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER for more information. And please play responsibly. New users for Ohio will get $100 guaranteed on their first bet. And when you look up, refer a friend, look up Andy Alfred for your next bet on the Barstool Sportsbook. So it's time to preview Super Bowl 57 right here. On all Andy Alfred, as it will be the Kansas City Chiefs who are fourteen and three overall in the AFC in the AFC champions, taking on the fourteen and three Philadelphia Eagles, the NFC champion. It is a game that is going to be the lowest ticket price right now for the Super Bowl is three thousand forty five dollars. Three thousand forty five dollars. Unbelievable in this game. Looking at it, we're going to preview both teams here for you. Of course, we're going to start with the AFC champions, which are the Kansas City Chiefs, led by quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who has, who this season is 435 for 648 yards, 48 passing attempts. At 5,250 yards, he has thrown 41 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions this season alone. Uh, his main receiver is Travis Kelsey, who is has 110 receptions, averaging and having 1,338 yards, averaging between 11 to 12 yards a catch. Uh, their leading rusher is Pachenko, who is 100 had 170 carries this season for 830 yards, five TDs for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is for overall uh, the injury report for Kansas City is McCole Hartman, wide receiver is. He was injured as of February 6th. Uh, he is is on injured reserve. Uh, Katie's Tony, the wide receiver, is questionable as of the 8th of, of the game. 
Uh, Kansas City averages 29.2 points per game. They allow average 20 points per game. They average a total of 424 total yards, excuse me, 425 total yards, 308 passing, excuse me, 309 passing, 116 through the ground. They have allowed 351 yards, averaging 243 yards and 107 yards rushing in their attempts. Uh, For Philadelphia, Philadelphia, the NFC champions, led by quarterback Jalen Hurts, who's 306 for 460 this season for 3,701 yards. He has 22 touchdowns and six interceptions this season. His leading receiver is A.J. Brown, who has 88 receptions for 1,496 total yards with 11 touchdowns. Their leading rusher is Sanders, who has carried the ball 259 times for 1,269 yards for 11 touchdowns this season alone. For the Eagles, Lane Johnson, their offensive tackle, is questionable, as well as Avante Maddox, as well as Cam Jurgens, who is all questionable for the Super Bowl. Uh, the Eagles average 28 points per game. They only allow, per game, 7 points per game. Keep that in mind. Their defense is strong. They average 404 yards, 257 on the air, 148 on the ground. They allow average 215 total yards, 116 through the air, 99 yards on the ground. The odds are as followed according to the Barstool Sportsbook. As of right now, this Thursday, the 9th of February, the line looks like this. It is in favor of the Eagles at one and a half right now. So the Chiefs are a plus one and a half. Money line has changed earlier this week. Kansas City was a plus 100 in the money line. They are now a minus 103. The Eagles are a minus 121. The over-under for the game is 51 points. Now, 67% of America has their money on the Kansas City Chiefs to win Super Bowl 57. Now, also have to make mention of this as well. You know, you'll have your prop bets, whether it be for the coin toss, Gatorade, how long the anthem goes, bear with, you know, receiving yards, anything like that. The, the amazing stat that I heard is that one in five adults in America will be betting on the Super Bowl. That's one in five. You know, I'll be one of those two. I'll I'll probably throw a few dollars into this. Not gonna throw like big bills, like a ten or a twenty. I'll probably throw like a couple dollars here and there to see what happens in this. But it's gonna be an interesting one. Note the dome will be closed for this game on Sunday. The dome is closed on Sunday. For this game, we have been told this from a good source, that the Dome is closed. The only time the Dome will be open will be at halftime for the halftime show, which will have Rihanna as the halftime show. So the Dome will be closed the entire game. So remember this, why I say that here in just a second. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think this game is very, very interesting. 
I think you're going to see a lot of jostling back and forth in this game. Because it's time for my prediction. You know, Jalen Hurts has been a uh, Patrick Mahomes has been a really good quarterback this year. The ankle, I'm still a, a little worried on. Uh, and this being a field field playing surface, they've been rolling the field off and on all week, out of out to get the sunlight and get some air on it and to get you know refreshed and everything like that because it's one of those fields that rolls in and out. Uh. We saw some, and I'm going to say this because I've been hearing those rumors of the people from Michigan up in Michigan complaining about, well, if they if they can play the Super Bowl on this you know surface, you're going to see a lot of injuries and everything like that because that field goes rolling in and out, in and out. If they can play a semifinal college football playoff game on that, you can play Super Bowl field. Played some. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. Oh, this, that, and the other. The percentage projector says that the Kansas City Chiefs are at 52% to win this game. The Eagles at 48%. I don't think Mahomes is fully healthy with that ankle. I think the defense is going to be... The offensive line for Kansas City is going to struggle with the defensive line for for Philadelphia because I've watched Philly most of the season. They look really, really good. I, I... Kansas City has the weapons with Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster and Scanling, the receiving core, but the defense is there. On the opposite side, Jalen Hurts, the shoulder, we don't know how how really fully 100% healthy that is. We don't know we don't know if, you know, how, you know, how the defensive line's going to sh- the offensive line's going to shake out for him. They struggled a bit during the San Francisco game. But I think that they could gel together. And the defensive and offensive line are where the game is going to be won between the two teams. I really do. I think the defense is a lot better for for Philadelphia than Kansas City's offensive line. I think they get to Mahomes more often. And that pushes him out of the pocket more and having to make plays. He's a good play rusher, good play runner. I think... I think he is one of those guys that is just can put the football anywhere by poss- by possibilities. But I like the Eagles a little bit better and with Hertz and Devontae Smith and with AJ Brown and I like their receiving core, I like their running game. I think the over will be broken in this game. I think 51 is going to be over broken in this game. I think the first half you're going to see it be a 17-point game between the two 17-10-7 in that round. And then it's going to turn into a track beat after that. It's going to turn into a track beat at the in the third quarter. That's what I really think. When we come back on the air... On the 23rd, excuse me, on the 16th, that Thursday. When we come back on the air, I think you're going to see the champion come out of the NFC. I have the Eagles 
beating Kansas City. So I'll take the Eagle money line and the over. I have the Eagles 37, Kansas City 31. Six points. I think that's where this game is going. The MVP of this game is going to be it's going to be it's going to be the it's it's tough for me the MVP. I don't think it's Hurts. I and I don't I I think it's going to be Kelsey from the Eagles because the defense is really going to step up to the plate. I think that's where it's going to be. I think this is a defensive game. For the first half, the second half turns into a track meet. I have the Eagles 37, Kansas City 31 in Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. Take your bets for it by using the Barstool Sportsbook app. Barstool Sportsbook app. And use the, the shared link code that we share right here on this podcast to get $50 bonus on your first bets. They also have a $1,000 buy-in bonus right now when it comes to that. And remember to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit gamblingproblemohio.org. So again, Philadelphia 37, Kansas City 31. As you're listening to all Andy Elford today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the ice. It's time for the latest Jackets report. They're coming off of the All-Star break, and we'll give you what I take on the Jackets this first half of the season. It's time to fire the cannon, and it's time to put on your Jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. When I last left you, the Jackets were coming off of a huge win on the 25th of January over the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 3-2. A huge win. They continued their Northwestern road trip as it was... As it was... The Jackets traveling out to Vancouver to take on Rick Tockett. Vancouver Canucks and the Jackets found themselves down in an early hole in this game. As Elise Pedersen getting his 20th of the season from Bo Horvath, who is now on the move, and we'll get to that here in just a second, on a shorthanded goal to beat to beat the gold by beat goaltender Jonas Corposalo. And it was 1-0 Vancouver before Marchenko getting a power play goal. His 12th of the season from Boquist in line A, tying the game at one apiece at the 2.06 mark of the first period. Then Quinton Hughes then capitalizes for the Vancouver Canucks, getting his 5th of the season on the power play from Miller and Horvath, making it 2-1. And McKeven getting his 13th of the season then with less than a minute to play in the first period with Bowser and Horvath making it a 3-1 game after 20 minutes of play. 3-1 Vancouver after 20 minutes. 
The Jackets could not continue and find the back of the net. Neither could Vancouver in the second period before Joshua in the third period at the 8.20 mark of the third period makes it a 4-1 game from Horvath and Bozer, making it 4-1, 8.20 in the third period before Penderson getting his 21st of the season on the power play from Miller and Hughes, making it 5-1 Vancouver. Marchenko then getting his second of the game, 13th of the season from Jenner and Goudreau on the power play at the 16:52 mark of the third period, but it was just not enough. The Jackets fall to Vancouver by a score of 5-2 as Vancouver was wearing the old 90s jerseys, the reverse retro in this game. They looked sharp, but the Jackets did not look sharp enough as they lost 5-2 to the Vancouver Canucks. Horvat, the number one star. Pedersen, the number two star. Quinton Hughes, the number three star. Shots on goal in the game went to, towards the Canucks at 34-26. They led in the faceoff dot 59% to 41%. Both teams two for four on the power play. Had, both teams had eight minutes of penalties. The Jackets were out hit in the game 28-22. Both teams had ten blocks. The Jackets had two giveaways to Vancouver's four, but Vancouver had two takeaways to Columbus's one. Jackets were outshot in the first and second period before they outshot Vancouver in the third period of the game by a score of 11, a 13 to 11. Well, the Jackets, Jonas Corposalo stopped 29 of 34, save percentage of 0.8. 8-5-3 for Vancouver. It was Dalid who stopped 24-26. Save percentage on the point. 9-2-3. So the Jackets fall in Vancouver. They headed back to the States the next night to Everett Fitzhugh Seattle Kraken. The Kraken hosting the Jackets on a Saturday night at Climate Pledge Arena. And it was the Kraken being the better host over, over Columbus's. Grubauer was fantastic in this game powering his team as it was Geeky getting his fifth of the season from Tanev and Saucy, making it one nothing, Seattle at the 8.40 mark of the first period, beating Elvis Merce-Linkus, who was absolutely fantastic in this game. Uh, he doesn't get much credit in this one, in this game, but he made some stellar saves in this game. So the line doesn't look good for him. But then the former Jacket himself, Alexander Wenberg, getting his 10th of the season from Everly and McCann in the second period, making it a 2-0 Seattle lead at the 8.33 mark of the second period before Kent Johnson getting his 10th of the season from Roslevic, making it 2-1 Seattle after 40 minutes of play. And then Seattle puts the dagger in, and it is told of him getting his 10th of the season from the former Jacket himself, Oliver Bjorkstrand, it was 3-1 Seattle, and that was the final at Climate Pledge Arena as the Kraken take down our Jackets by a score of 3-1. Wenberg, the number one star, Morgan Geeky, the number two star, and Philip Grubauer, the number three star. Seattle outshot Columbus in the game 31-25. Columbus was better in the faceoff dot, 55% to 45%. Both teams 0-2 on the power play. Seattle outhitting Columbus in the game 15-12. Out block the Jackets out blocking Seattle 15 to 14. The Jackets had four giveaways to Seattle's five, but Seattle had 12 takeaways to Columbus's four. Elvis Merzlinkins got the loss in this game. He stopped 28 of 31 with the same percentage of a point 903. Grubauer a stellar performance 24 for 25, same percentage of a point 960. So the Jackets take at least two point three points, three out of the possible. Three out of the possible eight points capitalizing on their road, their Western Canadian, Northwestern Canadian and American road trip.
They then welcome back to Nationwide for the final time before the All-Star break, the Washington Capitals at the Schwide as the Jackets wore their reverse retros in this game. The Jackets and Capitals played a stellar game. I watched this game. This was a really good game. You know, you saw it both ways, but it was all Washington to jump out at the gate as Hathaway gets his eighth of the season from Eller and Jensen, making it one nothing before Trevor ran Reamsdyke, getting his fifth of the season from Kubel, making it 2 nothing Washington before Andrew Peake getting his fifth of the season from Patrick Line at the 14-40 mark of the first period. Making it a 2-1 game after 20 minutes of play. Van Rienstijk getting his second of the game into the second period. His sixth of the season from Kuznetsov and Gustafsson beating goaltender Jonas Korpisalo. Making it a 3-1 game for Eric Robinson at the 11-03 mark of the second period. Getting his fourth of the season from Matthew Olivier. Making it 3-2 after 40 minutes of play. And then in the third period, the Jackets kept battling and battling. And then Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau getting its 14th of the season. With Gavin Bayruder at the 12-44 mark of the third period. Tying this game up. And you figured, you know, the Jackets had the momentum. They were building and they were building and they were building in this game. They were They looked fantastic. And I felt, you know, the Jackets had an opportunity to, you know, take it down and, you know, possibly go into the all-star break with a possible win. But like this season's been for the Jackets, it just fell apart early in the overtime as Kuznetsov gets his seventh of the season from Johansson and Guffinson just absolutely beating Jonas Corposalo. Jackets fall to the Washington Capitals at the Schwide. The final game before the all-star break by a score a four to three. Van Riesdijk, the number one star. Johnny Gaudreau, the number two star. Evgeny Kuznetsov, the number three star. Both teams tied in shots. They both had 34 shots on net. Washington led in the faceoff dot 54% to 46%. Both teams 0 for 1 on the power play. Uh, the Jackets out hit the, ca- uh, the Capitals 37 to 15. The Capitals out blocked the Jackets 22 to 18. Capitals had six giveaways to Columbus's eight, but the Jackets had 12 takeaways to Vancouver's five. Jonas Corposalo had the loss in the game. He stopped 30 of 34, save percentage of a .882. For Washington, it was Lindgren, 31 of 34, save percentage of a .912. So the Jackets fall in overtime. They are now off until this upcoming Friday. The Jackets will have a back-to-back with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which will start on the 10th, which will be tomorrow, 7 o'clock, drop at the Schwide. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com for that one. They will then head to Toronto on Saturday for a 7 o'clock drop on Hockey Night in Canada. The Jackets will be on Hockey Night in Canada for that one. Big stretch of games for the Jackets after that. They will then head back home on Valentine's Day to take on the New Jersey Devils before a day off before they host the Winnipeg Jets on the 16th of February. They'll then head to Dallas on Saturday for a 6 p.m. drop against the Stars before heading to Arizona in that small arena. 8.30 drop the 19th of February. Three days off, they'll then head home to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Wild, and then they'll host the Edmonton Oilers on Kids Takeover Day, which is the 25th 
of February before they head back to Minnesota for an afternoon affair that Saturday. They'll head to Buffalo on Tuesday. That'll end the month of February before they welcome in the Seattle Kraken March 3rd at the Schwai before heading to Ottawa on March the 4th. So that is looking forward for that. Looking at the overall stats for the Jackets this season. And as we hit the halfway point, the leaders in goals right now is a three-way tie for the top spot as Goudreau has 14, Lyde has 14, Bougenner 14, and the rookie Kirkland Mercheco, 13 goals. Kent Johnson and Gustav Nyquist tie for fifth with 10 goals. Sean Crowley, 9, Andrew Peak 5, Roslevic 4, Chidikoff 4, Robinson 4, Benstrom 4, Bjork 3, Gavrikov 3, Olivier 3, Blackenberg 3, Colt Sillinger with 2, Beirut with 2, and then you have Voracek with 1, who's out with the injury this season. The overall assist leader is Johnny Gaudreau with 35, Roslovic with 23, Line A with 17, plus minus is Lane Pedersen, who has a plus 3. The I just I've, I look at this plus minus. And it's terrible. Absolutely terrible this season. Merkchenko, who has the leader of goals, is a minus four. Bedstrom, minus four. Christensen, minus three. Bayruder, minus five. Gavrikov, minus six. Johnson, minus six. Chidikov, minus six. Voracek, who is injured now, minus seven. Roslovic, minus eight. Patrick Line, minus ten. Boot Jenner, minus eleven. Robinson, minus twelve. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Leader of the ice right now is Gavrikov with 22 minutes and 23 seconds per game. The faceoff percentage is in favor of Boo Jenner at 55.5%. Corrali 48.21%. So you want Jenner to drop and get the faceoffs. Nine times out of ten. Roslovic is third at 45. 5%. It's not good. Save percentage right now. It's Terrace. Goals against average right now. Terrasoff's the best at 3.28. Corpusalo, 3.345. And Merce Lincoln's is a 4.42. So you're averaging four goals a game that Merce Lincoln's is giving up. Corpusalo is averaging about three goals he gives up a game. Same percentage is in favor of Corpusal at 9.6. Tarasov is at 9.8. And Merzlikitz, 8.870. Corpusal has eight wins this year. Merzlikitz has five wins this year. Tarasov, two wins. How many of those have been shutouts? None of them. None of them have a shutout this season. None of them have a shutout this season. The Jackets are worse in power in in power play percentage and in penalty kill percentage as well. Their penalty kill right now, actually, excuse me, their penalty kill is pretty decent. They're twentieth in the league at seventy six point nine percent. Top is the Bruins at eighty five 
0.8%, by the way. Power play percentage, like I said, the Jackets are the worst. At 28th, at 16.4. The worst is Montreal, who's at 15.6. The best right now is the Edmonton Oilers at 31.8%. So there's that. The league is back into action. They had games that took place last night. The Rangers beat the Canucks 4-3. Minnesota falls to Dallas 4-1. Edmonton on Tuesday beat Detroit 5-2. That was a big win for Edmonton. San Jose a 4-3 win over Tampa Bay. That was huge. Pittsburgh a 2-1 win over Colorado. The, The race to Bernard... It's in favor of Chicago right now. But the percentage of the Jackets getting the number one overall draft pick is now at 25%. So there's that. News and notes around the National Hockey League. A big one today, of course, is Victor Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko has been traded to the New York Rangers by the St. Louis Blues today. That's a huge trade. St. Louis will receive Sammy Ballas and defenseman Hunter Skinner and a conditional first-round draft pick in the 2023 draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2024 draft. New York will also receive defenseman Nico McCollin. Tarasenko this year has 29 points, 10 goals, 19 assists, and 38 games this season alone. So that is a huge trade right there. Uh, it looks like Jack Hughes will be out week-to-week week for the, day, the Devils with an upper body injury. He's out there. Stadium Series game is coming up quick as possible. It will be on, I believe it's Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Saturday's the game, if I'm not mistaken. Saturday or Sunday. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. No, no, no. It's it's happening next week, I think. Next weekend. My apologies. Next weekend is the, is the Stadium Series game. Next weekend is the Stadium Series game. So I do apologize for that. Jumping the gun a little bit. On that, but yeah, uh, it's the Save Series happening next weekend. It looks like um, Rossless Anderson was day to day by the by for Calgary after he was hit by a vehicle riding while riding his scooter on Wednesday. The 26 year old defenseman was taken to a hospital where he, is, where he had testing before being released. He was going through the crosswalk, general manager Brad Mutalman said. The good news and the most important thing is that Ross is doing well. He was transported by ambulance to the Detroit Receiving Hospital because Calgary is in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Are they in Detroit tonight? Yeah, they are in Detroit tonight. He was hit last night, but he is doing well as the Detroit is playing Calgary tonight at Little Caesars Arena. The slated games for tonight as follows. Vegas is in Minnesota. Colorado is in Tampa. That's on ESPN. 7 o'clock drop for that one. Edmonton's in Philadelphia. San Jose's in Florida. Seattle travels to New Jersey to battle the Devils. Like I mentioned, the Red Wings take on the Flames. And Vancouver is in New York to battle the Islanders in that affair. Friday night slate looks like this. Besides Columbus hosting Toronto. It will be Arizona in Colorado, uh, in Chicago to battle the Hawks. Seattle's in New York to battle the Rangers. And Anaheim hosts the Pittsburgh Penguins. Saturday's slate looks like this. It will be Columbus in Toronto, 7 o'clock drop. 
Chicago is in Winnipeg. Vancouver is in Detroit for an afternoon affair. 12 o'clock drop for that one. Calgary and Buffalo, 12.30. Edmonton and Ottawa, 12.30. 12.30 sees Montreal hosting the Islanders. 12.30 sees Nashville and the Flyers. 1 o'clock, Dallas and Dallas and Tampa. 3.30 sees Washington take on the Bruins. 6 o'clock is Colorado and Florida. 7 o'clock is the Rangers and Carolina. Arizona travels to St. Louis for an 8 o'clock drop on Saturday. New Jersey travels to Minnesota. Pittsburgh is in L.A. to battle the Kings. Sunday is all afternoon affair games. 1 o'clock is Seattle and Philadelphia. 1.30 is San Jose and Washington. 12.30 will be Edmonton and Montreal. And 3 o'clock will be Anaheim and Vegas. And then the Super Bowl will take over for the rest of the afternoon evening for all the sporting events. So there is that for you guys right there. The standings going into today today's play. Boston is in the top spot in the Atlantic Division at 39-7-5 with 83 points. Toronto's in second at 31-13-8 with 70 points. Tampa Bay 32-16-2 with 66 points. The Metropolitan Division sees Carolina in the top spot at 34-9-8 with 78 points. The Devils 33-13-4 with 70 points. Is the Rangers at 29, 14, and 8 with 66 points? The wild card standings look like this. Washington, the top spot at 27, 20, and 6 with 60 points. Pittsburgh, 25, 16, and 9 with 59 points. The Islanders at 27, 22, and 5 with 59 points. Buffalo on the outside looking in with the Islanders at 26, 20, and 4 with 56 points. Florida, 25, 22, 6 with 56 points. Ottawa, 24, 23, and 3 with 51 points. Philadelphia is in 7th spot at 21, 22, and 9 with 51 points. Detroit, 21, 20, and 8 with 50 points. Montreal, 20, 27, and 4 with 44 points. And the Columbus Blue Jackets, our Jackets, in dead last in the Eastern Conference at 15, 32, and 4 with 34 points. Unbelievable. Western Conference looks like this Central Division lead is by the Dallas Stars at 30, 13, and 10 with 70 points. Winnipeg 32, 19, and 1 with 65 points. Colorado 27, 18, and 4 with 58 points in the Pacific Division. The top team right now is the Vegas Golden Knights at 30, 18, and 4 with 64 points. Seattle 29, 16, and 5 with 63 points. The Kings are 28, 18, and 7 with 63 points. Wild card standings look like this. The top spot is held by the Edmonton Oilers at 29-18-4 with 62 points. Minnesota's at 27-19-4 with 58 points. On the outside looking in are the Calgary Flames at 24-17-10 with 58 points. Nashville, 24-19-6 with 54 points. You also have St. Louis at 23-25-3 with 49 points. Vancouver, 27-4 with 44 points. San Jose, 16, 25, and 11 with 43 points. Arizona is in the eighth spot at 17, 28, and 6 with 40 points. Anaheim, 17, 29, and 6 with 40 points. And the last team in the Western Conference is the Chicago Blackhawks at 15, 29, and 5 with 35 points. Columbus is the worst team in the National Hockey League. So there's that for you guys. That is the latest Jackets report. The Jackets on the ice, like I said, tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena against Austin Matthews, Mitch Martyr, and the Toronto Maple Leafs for a back-to-back. The Leafs will be at Nationwide on Friday. Then Columbus will head to Scotiabank Arena to take on 
The Leafs on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada. 7 o'clock drops for both teams and both games Friday and Saturday. As you are listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the pond. It's time to talk some walleye hockey. The walleye, I think, are officially back. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest edition of our Walleye Roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. And when I last left you, the Walleye were getting ready for a big series with Kalamazoo. And two games against Kalamazoo, and then two big game a game against Cincinnati before a huge matchup the following weekend with Kansas City and Wheeling, as well as another game with Cincinnati. We'll get into those games here in just a second, but let's recap what we have witnessed over the last couple weeks for the for you know, around the East Coast Hockey League. We'll start with January twenty seventh, the Friday night slate, as it was the Lions of Travosa winner four to two over the Adirondack Thunder. Jacksonville, a 5-4 win over the Indy Fuel. It was the Wooster Railers in overtime beating the Running Royals in a shootout game. I'll tell you, 7-6 in overtime. Norfolk beats the Maine Mariners by a score of 3-0. Florida, a 4-3 win over South Carolina. Orlando, a 3-1 win over Savannah. Newfoundland, a 2-1 win over the Cincinnati Cyclones. It was Allen, a 5-4 win over the Tulsa Oilers. Fort Wayne, a 5-2 win over Iowa. Wheeling falls to Kansas City by a score of 3-2. Idaho, a 3-1 win over Wichita. And Utah, a 6-4 win over Rapid City. The Fish travel to Wings Event Center to take on the Kalamazoo Wings. And it was Kalamazoo jumping out to the early lead as it was Lampanelli getting its ninth of the season from Lenwin and Alvin Holven. Even strength at the 220 mark of the first period, making it a 1-0 game after 20 minutes of play. Then Kalamazoo tapped on a minute into the second period as Mutz getting his 11th of the season from Taylor and Bradford on the power play, making it a 2-0 game in favor of Kalamazoo. The Fish then jumped on the wings as it was Gordy Green getting his 17th of the season from Ted Vanneken and Brandon Hawkins on the power play at the 7-18 mark of the second period, making it a 2-1 game. And then Colin Keenan getting his 8th of the season from Tenevan and Hurd making it a 2-2 game at the 9-13 mark of the second period. Then Keenan not even at the 15-16 mark, getting a second of the game, and the, the eventual game winner for the Walleye for his ninth of the season from Sabango and Hurd, making it a 3-2 game. Kalamazoo made it close into the third, got it close, but it was not enough as the Walleye getting a big 3-2 win at Wings Event Center in front of a good crowd of 2,743, two hours, 25 minutes took to play the game. The Walleye, a 3-2 win over the Kalamazoo Wings. Kalamazoo outshot Toledo in the game 37-24. Both teams one for three on the power play. Sebastian Costa gets the windy stop 35 of 37, save percentage of a point, 9-2-0. It was 
Vola stopping 21 of 24, save percentage of a point, 9-0-8. So the, ja- the Walleye, a big 3-2 win over Kalamazoo on Friday the 27th. They came back to the, the bank tank the next night, but before that, you had the Maine Mariners, a 6-2 win over the Norfolk Admirals. Adirondack gets some revenge, beating up on the Lions of Travolta, 5-3. In overtime, Florida, 2-1 win over South Carolina. Jacksonville, a 5-4 win over Indy. You had the Worcester Railers, a 3-2 win over the Running Royals. Greenville, a 3-1 win over Savannah. Newfoundland gets a 3-1 win over the Cincinnati Cyclones. Allen shuts out the Tulsa Oilers by a score of 6-1. Fort Wayne, a 2-1 win over the Iowa Heartlanders. Wheeling, a 6-2 win over Kansas City. Idaho, a 3-1 win over Wichita, and Utah, a 4-3 win over the Rapid City Rush. The Fish welcomed in the Kalamazoo Wings, the back-to-back home-and-home series, as the Fish just absolutely annihilated the Kalamazoo Wings in this game. Keenan starting back off where he left off the night before, he getting his 10th of the season from Tabatica and Hurd, making it a 1-0 game. Ward gets his 4th of the season from Gordy Meyer and Schultz, making it a 2-0 game after 20 minutes of play. Then Trevor Bliss getting his ninth of the season from Hawkins and Tevedeke on the power play, making it a 3-0 game before Schultz getting his 11th from Sabango. Even strength at the 13-23 mark of the period, making it 4-0. Bliss getting his second of the game, 10th of the season from Green and Hawkins on the power play, making it 5-0. And then Mitchell Hurd cappling off in the third period, getting his 13th of the season for Curdy and Warren on the power play. 6-0 Fish. That was the final. The Fish pounded out a total of 32 shots on that over Kalamazoo's 20 to power themselves to a 6-0 win over Kalamazoo. Toledo 3-4 on the power play. Kalamazoo 0-5 on the power play. It was Lettinen getting the shutout. Shutout win. It was Corrier, the loss. He stopped 26 of 32. Same percentage of a point eight. Four, five. That's sad to say that. Uh, three stars, Warad, Lettman, and Bliss, the three stars of the game on the 28th of January as the Fish are getting a 6 nothing win over the Kalamazoo Wings. Sunday slate saw the Fish welcoming in the Cincinnati Cyclones, who the Cyclones just lost three straight games at the time to the Newfoundland Growlers. And in this game, the, the Fish were, not, were battling it back and forth, back and forth in the game. But it was <coughs> Hawkins jumping out to an early lead for the Fish. It was his 16th of the season from Green and Bliss making it a one nothing game. Cincinnati then capitalizes with two goals in the second and third period, all by Zandersock, 13th and 14th of the season. His 13th was from Barry and, De- and, and Deja Mingo at the 9.32 mark of the second period. Then his 14th of the season, second of the game, from Pavlov and Gorkowski at the 8.07 mark of the third period. Trevor Bliss then for the Fish ties the game up at the 18.22 mark of the period. His 11th of the season from Hawkins and McCord, but it was the late goal by Hermiro, his first of the season from Matthew Berry, making it a 3-2 game in favor of the Cyclones. The Cyclones put an empty net by Langerkoff into the empty net shorthanded and that was the final from the bank tank on the 29th of January as the Cyclones beat the Walleye by the score of 4-2. to two. 
Both teams 0 for on the power play. Toledo 0 for 5. Cincinnati 0 for 2. Toledo outshot Cincinnati in the game 35 to 31. 6,304 in attendance. Two hours, 32 minutes took to play the game. Bliss, the number three star. Zanderjack, the number two star. And Herrero, the number one star in the game. For the Fish, it was Costa stopping 27 of 30. Save percentage of a point, 895. It was Warm stopping 33 of 35. Save percentage of a point, 950 in the game. It was a four-man referee crew, by the way, in that one. So I'd like to see that more and more. Uh... Other games happening on the 29th of January. Atlanta, a 5-1 win over the Orlando Solar Bears. Adirondack, a 7-3 win over the Lions of Travos. In Indy gets a 6-2 win over Kalamazoo. Maine, a 5-2 win over Norfolk. And Fort Wayne, in overtime, beats the Heartlanders by a score of 3-2. Tulsa, 7-3 win over the Allen Americans. We get into later in the week, last week. And on Wednesday, February 1st, Jacksonville, a 5-4 win over Orlando. The Lions of Travolta lost to uh, Norfolk 7-5. In overtime, Kansas City a 4-3 win over Cincinnati, and Utah falls to Allen by the score of 4-1 on February 1st. On February 3rd, my birthday, of course, the Fish were hosting the Kansas City Mavericks, and the Fish getting a big win to bounce back after the loss over Cincinnati. Kansas City did jump out to the early leaders. Lindbergh from Muck and Hottershell on the power play, making it a one nothing game in favor of Kansas City, but that's all Kansas City offered as Nardi gets his fourth of the season on the power play from Tenna and Hawkins in the first period. The 17-51 mark on the power play, getting everybody the free chili, getting in a 1-1 game after 20 minutes of play. Gordy Green gets his 18th of the season from Bliss, making it a 2-1 fish lead. Then not even three minutes and change later, Hawkins getting his 17th of the season from Bliss, making it a 3-1 game. Hawkins unassisted in the third period at the 13-39 mark. The period gets it a 4-1 game before Tavak getting in his fourth of the season from Sabango, making it 5-1. That was the final at the Bank Tank on February 3rd. The Fish, a big 5-1 win over the Kansas City Mavericks. Toledo out shooting Kansas City in the game 23-21. The Jack, uh, the, excuse me, the Walleye. One for three on the power play. Kansas City one for two on the power play. Lettinen stopping 20 of 21. Save percentage of a point. 950. It was Storwald stopping 18 of 23. Save percentage of a point. 884. So the fish, and by the way, that crowd, 8,408 in attendance for that game. A big standing room only crowd. Two hours and 17 minutes took to play the game. Lettman, the number one star. Bliss, the number two star. Hawkins, the number three star. Other games happening on February 3rd. Newfoundland, a 3-1 win over the Maine Mariners. Adirondack, a 5-2 win over Redding. You had Jacksonville, a 3-1 win over Florida. Norfolk falls to the Lions, 7-4. It was South Carolina, a 3-2 win over Worcester. Iowa, a 2-1 win over the Wheeling Nailers. In overtime, the Orlando Solar Bears beating up on the Savannah Ghost Pirates, 7-6. Indy falls to Cincinnati by a score of 3-0. Fort Wayne, a 2-4-2 win over the Kalamazoo Wings, Idaho, a 4-3 win over Tulsa. Allen, a 6-2 win over the Utah Grizzlies. On Saturday, the 4th of February, the Maine Mariners fought, beat up on the Newfoundland Growlers 5-2. The Lions of Travosa, 3-2 win over the Norfolk Admirals. India, 6-3 win over Kansas City. 2-0 was the final as Greenville stomped on the Iceman. Fort Wayne, a 4-2 win over Kalamazoo. In overtime, Orlando, a 5-4 win over Florida. 
running a 6-1 win over Adirondack. Atlanta, a 7-3 win over Savannah. It was the South Carolina Stingrays, a 3-1 win over the Wooster Railers. You also had the Iowa Heartlanders stumping the Wheeling Nailers by a score of 7-2. Tulsa, a 4-3 shootout win over Idaho. And Wichita, a 6-2 win over Rapid City. 8-1 was the final as Allen beat up on the Grizzlies. The Fish travel down to to the Queen City to take on the Cincinnati Cyclones in a big game at Heritage Bank Center on the banks of the Ohio River. This game was a big game for the for the Fish as Mitchell Hurt jumped out to the early 1-0 lead for the Fish at the 6-19 mark of the first period from Bernardo and Tedevin, making it a 1-0 lead for the Fish, and that's what it was after 20 minutes of play. Cincinnati then capitalizes with two goals by Uraro, his second and third of the season, two goals in that period. One scored at the 58-second mark of the second period from Zanarek and Justin Vibe. The second was by Smaderick and Hosrick, making it a 2-1 game in favor of the Cyclones before Schultz getting his 12th of the season for Warhead and Green, making it a 2-2 game at the 17-47 mark for the Fish and the Cyclones tied at 2. Cincinnati recapitalized with Azerzak getting his 15th of the season for Horrero and Smaderick, making it a 3-2 game after 40 minutes of play. Toledo then capitalized with two big goals in the third period. Brandon Hawkins getting his 19th of the season from McCord and Tenevec on the power play. By the way, the two goals in the second period for, excuse me, the three goals in the period for Cincinnati in that period, in the second period, were all power play goals. So that was huge right there. But Hawkins getting his 19th of the season for Tenevec and McCord on the power play in the third period, the 310 mark of the period making it a 3-3 game. Then Gordy Green getting his 19th of the season on the power play from Tedeva and Bliss, making it a 4-3 game. You thought the Fish had an opportunity to close it out, but Cincinnati's with Griffin getting his 16th of the season from Barry and Polino. Even strength at the 6:51 mark of the third period, making it a 4-4 game. Going into overtime, both teams did not score. We go to the shootout. A big shootout for the for the Fish as it was Hawkins getting the only goal scorer for the Fish. As Herrero scores, Polino missed. Zach Anzrachek missed for the Cyclones. For the Fish, it was Hawkins capitalizing, Tanavat missing, Hurd missing, Gordy Green missing, and Pekar getting the game-winning goal in a shootout, beating the Fish. And Cincinnati getting a 5-4 win at Heritage Bank Center in front of a sold-out crowd of 8,327. Three hours and 20 minutes took to play the game. The Fish fall to the Cyclones by a score of 5-4. Sebastian Costa stopping 31-35 of 35 in the game. Same percentage of a point, 8-9-5. He was 2-4 for four in the shootout. Uh, Warm getting the win, stopping 24-28. Same percentage of a point. 8-9-5, stopping 1-4 in the shootout. The Fish fall to the Cyclones by a score of 5-4. We get to Sunday, Sunday's slate of games in the, in the East Coast Hockey League. On February 5th, Newfoundland gets a 5-3 win over the Maine Mariners. In overtime, it was Savannah, 5-4 win over the Atlantic Gladiators. Cincinnati gets a big loss in Kalamazoo as they lose 5-2. 
Jacksonville, a 4-2 win over Greenville. You had Wichita, a 6-3 win over Rapid City. It was South Carolina, a 4-2 win over Worcester Railers. Indy Falls to the Kansas City Mavericks by a score of 6-3. Fort Wayne, a 5-2 win over the Iowa Heartlanders. And Tulsa, a 6-3 win over the Idaho Steelheads. The final game of the slate on Sunday saw the Fish hosting the Wheeling Nailers. The Nailers coming off of a huge, they have capitalized and beat up on the Fish all season long so far. The lone win that they had against the Fish, the lone win at home against the Fish, the Fish had against the Nailers came back in October. So they were due for a huge win at the Bank Tank this past Sunday night. And they just absolutely dominated the game. Warwick getting his fifth of the season from McCoy and Meyer. It's a one nothing game at the 726 mark of the first period. Gordy Green gets his second gets the second goal for the fish, his 20th of the season from Colin Keen and Sabango. Making it 2-0 after 40 minutes of play. There was a lot of complaining for the for the wheeling bench. Most of the game, Derek Army was throwing things, throwing a fit. Absolutely a mess behind the bench, yelling at the officials. And, they, you know, the officiating wasn't that bad. I mean, it was a three-bad crew, Michael Zela, Brian Gordoff, and Kyle Flood, all doing a good job in this game. But in the third period, Curdy getting its fourth of the season from LaCroix, making it a 3 nothing game. And then into the empty net, it was Colin Keating getting his 11th of the season from Tenement and Hurd, and the Fish getting a big 4 nothing win over the Wheeling Nailers at the Bank Tank. And in front of a good crowd of 6,803, 2 hours and 26 minutes took to play the game. Toledo had, Toledo had 25 shots on net. Wheeling had 40 shots on net. All stopped, all shut out by Letman in the game. Barone stopped 21 of 24 for Wheeling. Save percentage of a point eight nine five. Both teams 0 for on the power play. Wheeling 0 for 2. Toledo 0 for 3. So the Fish, a big 4 nothing win at the Bank Tank on, on the 5th of February. This past Tuesday, the 7th. So Wooster a 4-3 win over Reading. Kansas City a 5-1 win over Wichita. And then we get to yesterday, last night. Adirondack beats up on Newfoundland by a score of 4-2. In overtime, it was Greenville a 4-3 win over Atlanta. Reading a 4-3 loss to the Norfolk Admirals. Evans, uh, excuse me, not Evansville. Jacksonville loses to Florida 2-1. India a 4-1 win over the Iowa Heartlanders. Idaho a 5-0 win over Tulsa. The Fish traveled to West Bengal for the return of the home-and-home home series against the Wheeling Nailers. The Fish jumping out to an early lead as it was Bliss getting his 12th of the season at the 320 mark of the first period, making it an unassisted goal, shorthanded, making it a 1-0 lead. Wheeling then capitalized with Kavrikov getting his 11th of the season for DeRoss and Amato at the 13:54 mark of the period. On the power play, 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. Bliss getting his second of the game, his 13th of the season from Hawkins and Tavatakek on the power play, making it a 2-1 game. Wheeling then capitalizes not even a minute, half a minute later as Francesca gets his first of the season at the 5-0-3 mark of the period, making it a 2-2 game. But then at the not even 40 seconds later, 
Mitchell Hurt getting his 15th of the season from McCord, and Savannah Kent making it a 3-2 lead. Wheeling capitalized with Johnson getting his 10th of the season from Hussinger and Kolov, making it a 3-3 game, but then LaCroix getting his first of the season from Hawkins and Warad at the 16:54 mark of the third period, making it a 4-3 game. There was a penalty shot awarded, by the way, in the first period that was did not get did not got stopped by Sebastian Cosa. Cosa gets the win. The Fish get the win. They they take the home and home against Wheeling by a score of four to three. The attendance at the game last night one thousand sixty five one thousand sixty five in Wheeling, West Virginia. Whoo! Need a drink of water for that one. But yeah, the Fish a huge win four three last night at West Banco Arena. Toledo had a total of. 28 shots on net. Wheeling had 28 shots on net. Toledo 1 for 6 on the power play. Wheeling 1 for 4. Uh, Barak gets lost. He stopped 24 of 28. Save percentage of a .885. It was Sebastian Costa stopping 25 of 28. Point, save percentage of a .908. Fresca gets the number 3 star for Wheeling. Bliss the number 2 star. And LaCourse gets the number 1 star in the game. So the Fish, a big 4-3 win tonight. Slate around the East Coast Hockey League. Two games. South Carolina is in Savannah to battle the Ghost Pirates. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. And at 8.05 will be Allen hosting the Fort Wayne Comets. Tomorrow's slate looks like this. Adirondack is in Newfoundland to battle the Growlers. Iowa is in Indy. Atlanta is in Jacksonville. South Carolina hosting Greenville. Redding is in Worcester. Wheeling then hosts the Norfolk Admirals. The Maine Mariners travel to travel home to battle the Travos Lions. It'll be Orlando in Florida. Cincinnati travels to Savannah to battle the Ghost Pirates. 7.30 puck drop for that one. 8.05 sees the Allen Americans hosting Fort Wayne for the second straight night. Wichita hosting Kansas City. Utah is in Rapid City. And Tulsa is host on the road against the Idaho Steelheads. Tomorrow night at the Bank Tank, 7.15 puck drop. The Kalamazoo Wings comes to, nation, to the Huntington Center to take on. The Toledo Walleye, 7.15 puck drop for that one on Friday the 10th of February. Saturday, Slate, Adirondack in Norfolk. Cincinnati is in Atlanta. Orlando is in Florida. Greenville is in Jacksonville. Kalamazoo hosts Indy. South Carolina is in Savannah. Maine is in the Lions of Travos. Redding is in Worcester. Wheeling hosts Norfolk for a second straight night. Iowa comes to the Huntington Center. 7.15 puck drop for that one. As it is Players Weekend, by the way, for that. So they will be wearing the black uniforms for that one. Allen will take on Fort Wayne for the third straight night. Kansas City will take on Wichita. Utah's in Rapid City. And Tulsa is in Idaho this weekend. Looking at the standings going into this weekend's play for the Fish. Uh, man. Central Division looks like this. The Fish are back into the hunt. As Indy is in the top spot at 30, 14, and 2 with 62 points. Toledo 25, 15, 4, and 2 with 56 points. Cincinnati 24, 12, 5, and 2 with 55 points. Fort Wayne is in fourth at 21, 14, 4, and 2 with 48 points. Wheeling 19, 21, and 4, and 0 with 42 points. Kalamazoo 18, 22, 3, and 0 with 39 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders 9, 24, 9, and 1 
with 28 points. In the Mountain Division, sees the Idaho Steelheads at 34-8-0-2 with 70 points. Wichita is at 25-17-3-0 with 53 points. Kansas City, 20-18-5-0 with 45 points. You have the Allen Americans at 21-21-1-0 with 43 points. You also have the uh, Rapid City Rush at 20-23-1-0 with 41 points. Uh, Utah, 19-23-1-0 with 39 points. And the Tulsa Oilers are 15-27-1 with 38 points. In the Eastern Conference... North Division, led by the Newfoundland Growlers at 32-12-1-0 with 65 points. The the Reading Royals, 26-15-2-0 with 54 points. Maine Mariners, 25-14-1-0 with 52 points. Worcester, 23-23-0 with 49 points. Adirondack, 16-25-1 with 38 points. The Lions of Travolta, 17-25-2-0 with 36 points. And the Maine Mariners, 9-33-0. 1-2 with 21 points. The South Division is a, a competitive division, I think, besides our Central Division, as Florida is in the top spot at 27-10-4-2 with 60 points. South Carolina, 26-10-4-1 with 57. Jacksonville, 28-15-1-0 with 57 points. Greenville, 24-12-7-0 with 55 points. Atlanta, 24-14-5-1 with 54 points. Orlando, 21-19-5-1 with 48 points. And Savannah, 13-23-7-1 with 34 points. The worst team in the league is the Norfolk Admirals. They are 9-33-1-2 with 21 points. So going into today's play, of course, those two games are going in. Uh, Let's see here. Any transactions going in? Here it is. Transactions as of yesterday, the 8th, uh, going into this weekend. Uh, they have placed, De- Cincinnati has placed Deja Mingle on injured reserve. Uh, Fort Wayne has loaned goaltender Riley Patru to uh, Athroff. You also had Toledo adding Thomas Ebbing activated from reserve. You've had Gordy Green placed on reserve, so Gordy is Gordy Green is out, so there'll only be one true Gordy on the ice, which is Gordy Meyer or Gordo himself. Uh, here's the big one: Redding has added Nolan Miller, signed by Lehigh Valley, have deleted Pat Nagel, goaltender recalled by Lehigh Valley, so they have called recalled Pat Nagel back to Lehigh Valley. He's been going back and forth between the two teams, so that's something to. Take interest in uh, Wheeling has added David Bust activated off of reserve. They've also deleted Mac Johnson and placed him on reserves as well. So there is that for you guys. And that is the wall I round up before I close the door on hockey for the day. Got to make mention of this. Got a chance this past Friday night, the 3rd of February, my birthday, to head down to or over to Cleveland, Ohio. I went to Cleveland to see the Cleveland Monsters, the future Jackets, of course. I saw Trey Fix, Rowinski, and Jet Greaves, and all the former all the former Jackets that are now playing with the Cleveland Monsters. But the Monsters were honoring the 1990 Cleveland Lumberjacks. The Lumberjacks used to play in the old IHL with the Detroit Vipers, and they also played with some ECHL franchises that are now a part of the league as we have right now. The Kansas City Ice are now the Kansas City Mavericks. 
Uh, the Michigan Wings are now the Kalamazoo Wings. And yes, the Fort Wayne Comets used to be a part of the IHL. And they played in the same division as the Cleveland Lumberjacks. So they honored that team. Uh, Jack Callender was there, of course. They were honoring uh, one of their members as they got raised to the Raptor. But they wore the Lumberjack jerseys. I got a Lumberjack jersey. I'm headed to the walleye game tomorrow night. If you see me, I'll be wearing that Cleveland Lumberjack jersey. If you see me, stop me, say hello. But I will be in attendance for the game tomorrow night. First 1,500, get a bucket hat. I'm going to try to get a bucket hat so I can wear that for when we go out for the for the Toledo Cla- LPGA Classic. It should be the Libby Open. I think that should make that the Libby Open. But that's 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 for Andy Rats later down the road. But Walleye, I'll be at the Walleye game tomorrow night against Kalamazoo. The Future Jackets, as Kalamazoo is the minor the ECHL affiliation of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's the walleye roundup for you guys right here on All Andy All for today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's talk some other sports, of course. Let's dive into some college basketball and talk about the Royal Rumble as well as the Waste Management Open that's taking place right now in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's dive into some other sports topics, and we'll start first and foremost with college basketball and talk some Mid-America College basketball for you. We're going to start with the women's side of things. That Last night, that the Toledo Rockets getting a big 91-73 win over the Buffalo Bulls. It was Ball State, a 68-50 win over Eastern Michigan. Northern Illinois, a big 88-63 win over Akron. Kent State, a 68-63 win over Central Michigan. Miami of Ohio, 71-53 win over Western Michigan. Our Bowling Green State University Falcon women's basketball team being a huge win over the Ohio Bobcats by a score of 81-44, beating the shellacking out of the Bobcats. The next game for the Falcons will be at Kent State, 2 o'clock tip as Bowling Green 12-21-2 and and overall. We'll take on Kent State, who's 15-7 overall. 2 o'clock tip on ESPN3. Toledo will, will travel to Miami of Ohio. 1 o'clock tip for that one on Saturday. Northern Illinois will be in Ohio. Buffalo is at Central Michigan. This is all women's basketball. Ball State is at Akron. Western Michigan travels to Ypsilanti to battle the Eastern Michigan Eagles in the slate for the Mid-American Conference Women's Basketball. On the men's side of things, it's not looking good for our Bowling Green Falcons men's team. We're on a little bit of a slump right now as we speak. After coming off the loss last Tuesday night to Kent State by a score of 87-64. Toledo a huge win over Akron by a score of 84-74. Ohio an 82-76 win over Northern Illinois. Miami, Ohio an 85-78 win over Western Michigan. Buffalo pounds out Eastern Michigan by a score of 102-97. Ball State a 65-51 win over Central Michigan. Tomorrow on the 10th of February will be a doubleheader on ESPN2 and ESPN3. Kent State is at Buffalo on ESPN2, 6 o'clock tip for that one. Akron is at Ohio at 7.30 on ESPN3. Saturday slate, four games. Bowling Green is at Ball State. Central Michigan is at Miami of Ohio. Western Michigan is at Northern Illinois, and Toledo travels just up the road to Eastern Michigan to battle the Eagles of Eastern Michigan. Top 25 looks like this in college basketball. 
for tonight. It will be number one Purdue taking on Iowa. Seventh ranked UCLA will travel to Oregon State. Sixteenth ranked Gonzaga will battle San Francisco. St. Mary's will take on LMU at 10 o'clock. Fourth ranked Arizona will travel to California to battle the Golden Bears. Uh, Saturday, big slate of games, by the way. Saturday, fifth ranked Texas is at home against West Virginia. Marquette, tenth ranked, goes to Georgetown. Providence battles St. John's. North Carolina State at Boston College. Ninth ranked Kansas, Oklahoma. Third ranked Alabama takes on Auburn. 21st ranked UConn battles. 23rd ranked Creighton. Rutgers goes to Illinois. Virginia hosts Duke. TCU takes on Baylor. San Diego State takes on UNLV. Sixth ranked Tennessee, Missouri. And then Indiana travels to Michigan Saturday at evening. Gonzaga to BYU. UCLA versus Oregon. Sanford hosts Arizona. And Miami takes on Louisville. So those are top 25 slate games. Also, got to make mention of this. I want to congratulate. I want to congratulate LeBron James for breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record of the most points all time. He is the one of the greatest that we've seen play the game. I still have Jordan as number one, and then LeBron two, uh, and then I have Kareem at three, so and Magic at four, and then I like Isaiah Thomas at five. He, 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 even though he's won two titles, he was he was dominant on the court, dominant on the court. Loved him. Absolutely loved him. Uh, so congratulations to LeBron on that one. Waste Management Open is happening as we speak out in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. This big weekend in golf. On the men's side of things right now, Xander Shoffley, uh, Nick Taylor leading the top spot at 400 par with Xander Shoffley at 400 par. And Adam Haywood is 400 par too. Charlie Hoffman, 3-under par. Sam Ryder is also 3-under par as well. Some of the big names, of course. Uh, Tony Fidel, tied for 7th at 1-under par with Jordan Spieth at 1-under par. Mika Fitzpatrick, 1-under par as well, too. Uh, it's going to be tough right now. The winds are really it has been bothering bothersome. They're, they're not going to die down till afterwards. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, 1-over par. Um... I wanted to see where Rory was at. Uh, Matsuyama, two over par. Colin Morikawa, two over par. Rory McIlroy, two over par as well. Shane Lowry, three over par. So I'm getting the update as, it, as it's happening. Um, but yeah, we've been watching it here in the in the Man Cave Studios all afternoon, watching the coverage on ESPN with the uh, PGA Plus as well as now on the Golf Channel right now. So... There's that for you guys as the PGA Tour is kicking off. Uh, the Live Tour is coming up around the corner as well, too. Uh, the next big event for the LPGA will be not until the 23rd of February, which will be uh, in two weeks. That will be taking place in Thailand. So LPGA is going to have to wait just a little bit for our coverage of the LPGA right here on All NDL for now. Let's get into some pro wrestling really quickly. want to get into that. Really, really, really quickly into the WWE side of things. Uh, uh, we have, of course, the sad news that Hall of Famer Jerry Lawler had a stroke Monday night and he is doing well. He's recovering well. So we send our thoughts and prayers to Jerry 
And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family as you recover from this horrible, horrible illness. But when I last left you, we were getting ready for the Royal Rumble. And, of course, my predictions were correct. I had Cody Rhodes to win it. He won the Royal Rumble. Men's Royal Rumble. And will now challenge either Roman Reigns or Sami Zayn. That's where I'll get to that in just a second. For the Undisputed Universal Championship. And then you had Rhea Ripley, who defeated, went from number one, defeated all 30, 29 other competitors to be number one, competed with Liv Morgan and Asuka. Uh, I was surprised at who number 30 was with Nia Jax. She's going to be back into the full of things. I like that. also like that they have redid Dewdrop to now Piper Rev- Nevin, and she's always been Piper Nevin, in my opinion. So it's good to see that. Uh, but the whole story was for me was the match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. I thought that was one of the most brutal matches I've seen in forever, especially when the match went to the outside and Reigns slammed Kevin Owens' head into the stairs and he hit his head hard into the stairs. And it was a hard hit. And not just once, but twice. And you could tell that Owens was 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 feeling a concussion when Reigns threw his lifeless body back into the ring, and then but the whole storyline goes to what happened after the match is that Reigns wins the match, pins him. Sammy say Owens gets beaten up by the Usos by Solo Sokoa. He gets handcuffed to the ring, handcuffed to the ropes, get beaten, and Reigns gets ready to throw the chair into Kevin Owens as Sammy Zayn steps in, says, you know, we've gone too far, you're the tribal chief, you're better than this, and Roman gives the chair to Sammy. And Sammy Zayn did the right thing. By hitting Roman Reigns in the back with the chair. And it reminded me so much of when Seth Rollins hit Roman to break up the shield. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great. You looked at he looked both at Jimmy and Jay Uso and said it had to be done. Jimmy was just shocked. Uh, Jay was just shocked. Couldn't believe it. Jimmy hits him with the super kick. They start beating the Jimmy and, and Solo start beating him up. And Jay walks out of the ring and walks away from the bloodline. Now, this past Friday, got a chance to watch the Friday Night Smackdown finally. The end with Sammy attacking Roman and then ending up finding out that Roman is going to accept the challenge of Sammy Zayn at Elimination Chamber, which is in Montreal. Which I think it's a huge Huge implication for this. I think what's going to happen, and this is what I think should happen. I think we're getting two Elimination Chamber matches, by the way. A women's and a men's. Women's for the Raw Women's Championship, which is understandable. The men's side is for the U.S. Championship. But I think those are going to be just too subpar. The big story will be between Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. I think those two, the their mid-card matches for the Chamber, it leads to the big match between Roman and Sammy. Sammy, originally from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, 
So is Kevin Owens, who I think should be at the corner of Sami Zayn for this match. I think this is when you would honestly divide the championship. I think this is when you decide to divide the championship. I I know you're going to say to me, you can't flip the belt right before Mania, but this is what I think is going to happen. I think Roman is going to lose to Sammy. It's going to be a disqualification, or I think Sammy could beat Roman and take the titles. Then Roman will, then you see the whole Cody Rhodes situation comes into play. I think Sammy then just says, I'm just going to take what is mine, and that is the Universal Championship. You could have the WWE Championship or, or what have you. And then that sets up Roman to face Cody Rhodes at Mania for the Raw for the WWE Championship. Or I look at it as another thing, and this just happened to me as I'm thinking about this. It'd be a two-nighter, and you have Roman defend it two titles in two nights. I think you have if Sammy went this disqualified by Roman Reigns and the and the bloodline. I think you then. Give Sammy an opportunity to compete at Mania in the first night. Second night will be Cody versus Roman. And you decide to split the titles after Chamber. Say that, you know, Sammy has said, I don't want, you know, I want to fight you, but I want to fight you with for the Universal Championship. Loses the Universal Championship to Sami Zayn at, at Mania. Sets up the Cody Rhodes match versus for Mania Night 2. Rhodes gets the championship that his father never got and sets it up and that begins the decline of the bloodline. Because this Friday with SmackDown, yeah, Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Usos. We don't know where Jay Uso is going to be at. Yeah, I have that feeling that Solo Sokoa is going to have to step into the pool. I think that's the possibility. Now with Rhea, Rhea's going to Rhea Ripley won winning the women's uh, championship. I I liked her choice with Charlotte Flair. I think that's going to be a really good headliner for night one. The Queen versus the. The Judgment Day. I think Rhea wins the championship. I think she wins the championship. So, you know, we have six more Raws to sell to Mania. With two to sell to Chamber. So it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. We'll see how it all shakes out. As you're listening to All the ADL for tonight right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show. And we have come to the end of our program today. It is now time for Andy Rants. Well, it's now time for Andy Rants tonight, and I want to thank you again for tuning into the podcast. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on the Anchor Network. Before I get into my rant tonight, I wanted to send a special, couple special thank yous. I want to send a special I love you to my beautiful wife, Amanda, who celebrated her birthday this past Monday. 
as we're both now 33 years of age. Uh, we've uh, give you some also some news also in the house as well. Uh, we welcomed in two new kittens to our house. One is named Socks, S-O-X-S, Socks, and the other one is named Puck, P-U-C-K. So, and we can tell the difference between the two because Puck has a black mark on his paw as well as on his other back paw, which is a perfect circular shape like a hockey puck. So that's why we named him Puck and Socks. So we have Puck and Socks that are now in our house. And that, and they are absolutely loving it. They love the house. They love playing around. and love playing with them. Uh, the senior cats are getting along with them somewhat. And uh, it, it took them a few days to get used to it. But they are now loving every minute of being in our house. I love, I love seeing them running around. And they love to jump around and play and have fun. So that's good to see. Um, I want to spend a thank, special thank you to my friend Chris Dyer and all of my friends at Toledo School for the Arts. We had a reunion this past Saturday. It was about 30 of us got together. We had uh, had a nice dinner at Poco Loco over, uh, over off of Adams, close to our old high school. I ran into my good friend Don Gray, Janelle Goodall, Caitlin Allen, formerly Caitlin Allen, formerly Janelle Goodall, uh, Chris Dyer, John Hare, Megan Leslie, uh, Sarah Jackson, now Sarah Tippett, um, a lot of people I met and, uh, I ran in also Mark Porter was there, Dave Gerke, uh, Patricia Decker was there. They were all there and Brandon Wright and also David Martin were also there and they are, everybody's doing great. Good to see everybody. They saw Jacob Parr. Um, we're working with Jacob Parr possibly for a new logo for the podcast we'll get into we'll 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 have more details as that's coming available regarding that but it was great to see everybody and um i love you all uh it was great to hang out we have to do this again in the summer or possibly not just every once a year we should do this every every season at least so we can catch up on everybody so there's that for you guys um my dad's birthday is this upcoming Sunday, which is Super Bowl Sunday the 12th. I want to wish my father, my dad, Dennis Alfred, a happy birthday. I love you. Happy birthday. I hope you have a great birthday, and I hope you enjoy the game, which I hope that you and I are going to be betting together with. And it's, I am taking the Eagles, money line, oof, money line, and the Eagles and the over of 51. Oh, 50 points, 51 points. I have the Eagles at 37, 31 over the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's now time for Andy Rance tonight. What we witnessed Tuesday was something absolutely astounding. Uh, with the State of the Union that took place on, on, on Tuesday, I got a chance to watch it. Absolutely shocked to see, you know, uh, how the Republicans and Democrats are so far off and how the Republicans were yelling and screaming during his speech Calling a, calling our president a liar. It shows the device of everything like that. But I and him, them saying and Biden then saying out loud that they want to that the Republicans want to sunshine, sunset, Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. Now, I am a big component of people who need Social Security, need Medicaid, who have paid into the system, who have worked their ass off who have deserved 
Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security, they, they, they totally deserve it. But the, the people that just absolutely abuse the system, who absolutely just don't care about the system and just use it for, you know, moving moving themselves and also collecting, uh, you know, a paycheck on the side of getting Social Security and everything like that, that's just, just wrong. That's just absolutely, absolutely wrong. And it's fraud. Um... What what worries me the most about this is what I was reading about is that anybody who is bored after 1985, anybody born after 1985, get ready for the statement I'm about to tell you, you're not going to have an opportunity to get, to get Social Security or Medicaid or Medicare. Because when you retire, because of the fact that we are bleeding this system dry, and it's because people abuse and abuse the system, and it absolutely bothers me to no end. If you're work, if you, and I know, I know, I'm gonna get blasted and chastised and blasted for this, and I don't care. This is why it's called Andy Rants because it's been on my mind. Since Tuesday, and I've been thinking about this. To be honest with you, why do you need to use your social security and use your system to go and use it for trips, go and use it for useless things that you absolutely need, when the essentials are absolutely needed now? Bread, milk, and and eggs are so expensive nowadays. Use that instead of using it for... Stupid purchases or stupid items that you don't absolutely need. And that is why people born after 1985 will not have Social Security because, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, and I don't mean this very, very badly, but our parents, our elderly parents, and our parents that are on Social Security, unfortunately, are draining us dry. And it's draining and it's affecting, it's going to affect us later on down the road in our lives. And it's going to affect our our children after that. So I ask, I ask the people that, that absolutely need, if you absolutely need Medicare, Medicaid, and, and Social Security, you know, you've paid your dues. You have paid your money into it. You have done so much from it. You deserve it. Definitely deserve it, but to those people that are using it just to use, just to, just to absolutely use it, abuse it, shame on you, absolutely shame on you. If you could get a job, to get the Medicare or to get medic medical, to not worry about being on Social Security, then go do it. Get off of the system. Because we want to have it later on down the road. We want to have it for us. If you're born after 85, you're not going to get it. Because our parents and grandparents are bleeding us dry. And it's being totally, totally honest with you. I worry about that. I sleep, I, I, I just worry about that so, so much. If I'm wrong about it, no, you can contradict me. You can send me a tweet. Send me an email. But I just see it and how I've read 
in the last two weeks through the Wall Street Journal report, from the from the New York Times, and from all this, it, it, it just adds up to that we as adults, paying adults, are not going to have the Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid that we are that we are going to have. And it's being completely, completely honest with you. So that's and that's what's bothering me. Really bothering me most. Also what's bother also what's bothering me is the fact that, you know, we need to focus you need to focus in on what's happening in Washington. We need to focus in on what's happening more and more. And we need to focus it on fixing the problems there and fixing the problems locally. It is what it is. And that's Andy Lance tonight. We'll be back on the air on the 16th to recap Super Bowl 57. Again, remember, if you're going to bet, bet responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER for gambling. For If you have a gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER or gamblingohio.org for all your resources and information. Again, I'll have the Eagles beating Kansas City by a score of 37-31. I'll take the over in the game, and I will be at the Huntington Center tomorrow night for the Walleye-Kalamazoo game. I'll be rocking the Cleveland Lumberjack jersey. Stop by, say hello. If you see me in the on the concourse or see me on the see me. At the arena, stop by, say hello, and uh, we'll probably have a. I'll probably have my first period intermission report, like I always do, uh, tomorrow night. So until I talk to you guys, enjoy Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Go Eagles, and enjoy the game. Enjoy the halftime show. Make sure you have some time with your family because it is important. So until I talk to you guys next week, this is Andy Alford saying, I'll pull it for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice, my friends. And to the teams you root for at home and to my teams, go Jackets get the job done against Toronto, even though you'll probably get beat by the Leafs. Go Walleye. Good luck. Congratulations to Bully Greed Hockey, by the way. You know, got getting some points. Go Lumberjacks, go Monsters, go Walleye, go Eagles, go Falcons, and hit them straight. More birdies and less bokies, because victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Super Bowl 57, and I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Alfred. I love you. Talk to you guys then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. You have listened to tonight's show on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at All Andy Elford and Facebook.com slash All Andy Elford. Podcasts are recorded each week on the Anchor Network.